You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 79 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on Wednesday, May 23rd. As always, I'm Vince, and uh, I hope Roger's mostly with me and not playing too much Diablo over there. I turned it off, dude. I turned it off. I, I, I was I was having so much fun, though. It, You know, it brings back... I just got it today, and I've been waiting. I've been reading everybody else talking about this. So it was like all of a sudden, I'm click all the things, and I'm clicking around. I was having a blast. Well, anyway, uh, we are very excited this week to have yet another special guest on the show, none other than David Gator, very well known in the video game industry for his work uh, with Bioware on titles such as Baldur's Gate, Night Silver Public, uh, Neverwinter Nights, and most notably as lead writer on the Dragon Age franchise. Not only has he done work on the games, he's written several novels, and as we're talking about today, he's written a comic series tying in with Dragon Age. So welcome to the show, David. Hey, thank you for having me. Are you actually a comic book reader yourself? Yes. I mean, uh, I guess less these days. I mean, I grew up with comics, so it was sort of a... Uh, and for, for a, a while, that was sort of the dream. I actually wanted to be a comic book artist of all things. Actually, that's what I wanted to do when I was younger as well. I think that was probably <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah, probably. Probably, probably uh, my, my, my path was sort of... Uh, uh, tinkering with it and, and until I realized that I wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have the continuity. So it's I couldn't make, you know, a character look the same throughout the whole thing. By the end of it, it was either grow a beard on him or make him look noticeably different because there's just no way in hell I could be consistent with the look. Yeah, for me I think it was reaching that point where I realized that if I if I actually wanted to pursue that seriously it would require uh, uh diving into art school and and uh, for, for me, it was not having the money for that, actually. I do like the idea about writing for comics as well, because it, like in my case, I feel that a good story is a good story, regardless of what medium it's written in or for, I should say. So I, I really I, I appreciate a good story in a comic book just as much as I would a novel. Yeah, it's it's presented in a different way. I, I, actually, I've had the uh, unique opportunity to well, not, probably unique. Uh, I'm sure there's other people who have done it, but uh, that, that I've, I've been able to work in video games and novels and comics and, and sort of see the, 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 the differences in approach, how they, how they change the story for depending on what you're working on. The, 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 the medium is the message, as they say, right? And, and it really changes what kind of tale you can tell. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was wondering if your work in the game industry had helped prepare you for the level of collaboration needed to actually make a comic. For the level of collaboration, sure. Uh, this is in, it, well, it's different levels of collaboration, I guess, uh, between the, the, the three types. Of, for working on the novel, it's basically just myself and my editor working together. Um, for when you were in the, working on a video game, you're talking about collaborating with uh, dozens and dozens of people and uh, uh, trying to accommodate limitations that you, you wouldn't have in a comic book. So uh, the comic book actually sort of uh, nicely slipped down the middle. You have, I mean, I, I need to work with uh, Alex, the, the scripter, and uh, we're working with the, the artist. And so there's a smaller number of people, so it's, it's, it's very, um, 
pretty localized. But yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I think the, the it was funniest on when I was writing the novel is that uh, my edit my editor would sort of suggest things that she wanted to change, and she would approach it very very carefully, like walking in eggshells. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's that's fun. And she says, you know, we don't get this. Most of the writers I work with, they're they're much more sensitive about protecting their book, their their work. And I said, well. I work in video games where my stuff gets trampled over all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we get into specifically the Silent Grove, uh, way back in the earliest days of this podcast, we actually covered the first Dragon Age comic from IDW that was written by Orson Scott Card. Did okay. you have any involvement or input on that series? No. Oh, well, okay. Not at all. <laughs> I saw it after it was done. Um, the, the Silent Grove script was actually handled, like you were saying, by Alexander Freed, who also worked on uh, Blood of the Empire and the Lost Sons comics for the Old Republic. Now, when you were working on this, did you work with him on the story in terms of like a, a um, in, in, in for the pacing for the comic, or did you give him, say, a short story and then he set up the script for the comic books? Well, the way it would work is uh, I would write uh, a detailed outline. So, but it's basically, I would say. We would talk first. Um, this this is uh, I'd be talking with him and Dave Matthews, who works at uh, Dark Horse, and so we're discussing sort of the overall um, concept of, of what what storyline the, the the series is going to follow, and then I would go and I would write an outline, uh, which is basically in prose, uh, in as much detail as as I sort of felt comfortable doing. Uh, write out what each how each uh, issue would break down. What, and you know, I'd write some dialogue and, and, and try to describe it as if I was if I as if I was talking to Alex, right? And then send it to him, and then he would take that and turn it into a script. So he would he would he would then break it down into a a panel by panel. Uh, these are the instructions to the artist, kind of thing. And then he would send that back to me, and and I would I would I would do notes and like go because he he's doing the, every line of dialogue at that point, and so I would make notes on the the various. Uh, the dialogue and, and any, 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 any concerns I had with the story. And it would go back and forth between us until we ended up with a script that was, uh, that was what we wanted. And then that would go to, go to Chad. Are you interested in continuing doing it that way with somebody else? Or are you feeling like you would prefer even more control and doing the entire thing, say, for the next series? Well, when they started, they, they actually offered me, uh, they asked me if I wanted to do all the writing, like the scripting as well as, as, well as the story. And uh, at the time, I, I felt uh, I was so new to the medium that I, I, I was a little leery of uh, jumping in too much. Because, I mean, uh, and, and I'm glad I did too, because when I was writing the outline, I had, a, I had a very vague sense, I mean, sorry, a very vague sense of, of how to pace the, yeah. the, uh, the, the story because you have, unlike uh, uh, with a novel or, or with a game where, I mean, you can make it bigger to expand whatever your needs are, right? Here, here you have X number of pages, that's it, no more. Uh, you can't just write a 30-page comic if you feel like it because the story is going to take that long. Uh, and that was, that was a, little, a little strange to work in. Uh, you, and you're talking about, so, so I have a, um, a story that runs over six issues, for instance, and instead of having one arc that just covers the, the entire six issue length and you, you just chop it up, you need sort of six mini arcs. Um, so that was, that was a little, little odd as well. So um, when I first sent my outline in um, for, for uh, uh, the, the Silent Grove, 
I know that um, uh, Dave Matthews and, and Alex both came back and said, okay, the, you, you've written a little bit too much here for, for the, the, the number of pages you had to work with. And from, after that, it was sort of more a matter of, of trying to figure out, okay, and they, they, had, like, they had like excellent rules of thumb that, that I had to learn, like every page needs to convey one thing, right? And only one. So you can sort of break it down in that way. What, what is each page actually doing? And um, I, I think after doing the Silent Grove, I've learned more, so I think I think eventually I would like to try uh, doing the scripting as well. Um, but I'm very comfortable at this point leaving it to somebody with more experience. Well, not just that, but you've done so much work with other people through the, the games that it's it's I again second nature for you to work with others with your words. So I would think that the partnership was not just appreciated, but was I I would think it was kind of fun as well, a different way to look at it. Oh yeah, I, I actually. Uh, I have no problem with that kind of collaboration. Like you said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm accustomed to it. So uh, having people specialize according to this is what they do best, this is what they have experience in, is, is, a, is very natural. But uh, on the other hand as well, I, I, the one part I liked about working on the comic at all was that I got the chance to try out something that I'd never done before and, and, and learn it, right? So uh, I always would like to the challenge of trying the scripting at some point. And then I'm, I'm sure that comic series will suck. And everybody will hate <laughs> Did you find it challenging, though, creating the story that would stand on, well on its own while still having such a deep tie to the game, both the games as well as the novels also? Did I, I'm sorry, did I find that? Did you find that challenging? Because really, anyone can pick up this series and enjoy the story and not feel like they've missed out. And yet, if you've played the games, if you've read the books, you're getting that much more out of the comic series. That can be quite challenging. Um, I don't know if I found it a challenge so much. It, it was worth a conversation. Um, I know I know that uh, um, Dave Matthews from Dark Horse was talking about... Uh, uh, Dark Horse has done a number of these sorts of tie-ins, and he's had certain rules that... Uh, that they like to follow because they found that it makes it makes the tie-ins more successful. So he told me he told me what the rules were, and uh, uh, what would make things easier, like like using uh, characters that are, that are familiar to the readers, to people who have played the games. And then uh, it was worth a conversation. Which okay, if I'm using characters that are uh, from the games, what is that going to be like for people who haven't played the games? Are, are they going to get anything out of this? And the idea was is that. I mean, uh, that th that wasn't actually that hard. It was just I just had to keep in mind that, okay, for somebody who's who's new coming into this, what are what are the the things they absolutely have to know about these characters, right? You got to know that Alistair's a king, that uh, Isabella is a pirate, that Varric is a rogue who happens to know Isabella, and uh, get a, you you can sort of quickly convey those that that information, and so long as that's what the the the, the reader needs to know. They can get everything else as they read, right? They they can still get get uh, uh, as long as they get an idea of what Alistair is about. They can they can realize what his struggle is. You know that you know what, he's searching for his father. He's he's uh, um, torn about the fact that that he was never supposed to be king and things like that. And so I don't think anyone's actually missing out. Now, once you're talking about your characters, was it different for you seeing your characters brought to life? 
in Combo Cart versus in the game. I mean, Chad Harden, who is it? Chad Harden and Michael uh, Atea. Man, they did such a great job with the art. And I'm wondering, did it feel different seeing it brought to life again in Combo Cart versus the game stuff? Hmm. I guess to a point, um, we have a lot of concept artists who work at, work at Bioware. And right. I, uh, so I see my characters in, in, in drawn uh, a great deal anyhow. So I, I would say it's that different, but it was it, it's always a pleasure to see something you've written sort of come to life. Um, that, that that is the best part about collaboration, right? Is is that uh, it? Sure, there's a danger that they might not get it right, uh, but when someone else picks up something that you you've done and they they've they've breathed their own life into it, and suddenly it's better than you thought it it was going to be. Like it, I know that uh, uh, some of the stuff that that Chad did, especially when they actually got to the temple. Um, uh, in the Silent Grove, uh, is that it was actually better than I had kind of pictured. I, I don't know what I was picturing, but then he suddenly he said, "Okay, I'll, 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 I'll uh, figure out something to do." And, and suddenly, boom! There, there, it's come to life, and it's it's like, wow, that that is uh, that is really great. So that that is is it's a pleasure to see. Uh, I don't know if it was. I don't think it was weird. It's just a, it was a it was it's a delight to work on something that that we're we can iterate so quickly. Well, in some of the panels, some of the cases, I actually thought that the characters came out even better than they did in the game, which is saying a hell of a lot. <laughs> but I mean, you look at some of these panels and the emotions that you can see, the the artists did such a phenomenal job. And I mean, when you're talking about Alistair, some of the shots with Alistair were just absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, I was really blown away by the art. Well, you, you can get away with uh, some things in a comic book that you can't in a game, right? I mean, just showing a facial expression is actually quite complicated in the game. Yeah. That, that's a, you're manipulating the model. Things like, uh, uh, oh, we always joke, uh, um, having horses or cloaks. Cloaks, uh, okay, in, in a comic book, you just draw it, right? There's no need to for, for cloth physics or, or uh, worrying about how the cloth is going to look weird. You just put somebody on a, on a cloak. You can change their clothes instantly. You could change locations. If you want to go to a special, really interesting looking location, and just for five pages, hey, you can do that. You don't have to worry about modeling the entire thing. So there's a certain amount of freedom in that, which is, is, is a completely liberating when you come from a video game background. So what made you decide specifically on this trio of characters? Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Dave Matthews was talking about uh, Using characters that the players are familiar with. So, yeah. I mean, we, this is a this is a us sitting around a table. He, he came up to Edmonton, um, and I was sitting there with uh, Mike and and uh, Mike, sorry, Mike, Mike, Mike Lindlaw, my uh, lead designer, um, and some other people around a table and, and discussing, you know, who would we like to see. And so they asked me, well, what are your thoughts? And I I said I brought up a, a few sort of pitches. I. I never go to these sorts of meetings unless I, I have more than one thing on the table because I don't like to put all my eggs in one basket. So um, it, it was more me sitting there, well, if I'm going to do something that's uh, uh, on my own time, and uh, what would I do with it? I, I thought, well, I want to make it fun. I want to use characters that I, that I really enjoy writing and which are easy to write. That I, you know, I could just do it for the sheer pleasure of doing it. Hell, hell, I would probably write fan fiction about these these guys, and and that would be completely fun. And that's a, well, that's essentially what this is, isn't it? This is just is just me writing fan fiction that somebody has turned into a comic book. 
That's true. Mm-hmm. So yeah. one of the things I like the best about Dragon Age games is that there's so many options for how the game could turn out, uh, mm. specifically focusing on the characters in Silent Grove. Alistair could not, you know, there's an option for him not to become king or even as you so wonderfully demonstrated on our games podcast, he could not live at all through it. But yes. in the comic, we see he is alive and he is king. Is this the right. preferred canon you like to work with with the stories? No, no, I just had to pick one, right? Anything, we, anything, any kind of uh, story that advances ahead of where the, the games ended up, we either have to completely uh, write something that completely ignores what has happened, like does something else entirely, uses different characters, goes to different locations, or we, we would have to pick uh, uh, one version that is working for that story. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, all the, um, the end states of the games are equally, they, they all exist equally, right? So it's just a matter of picking one and uh, and uh, going with it but no i don't think it's 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 canonical okay so there's a possibility we'll see other timelines in future works yeah oh of course uh for i guess i guess you could say it might be the default um like a moving forward we have to pick sort of a default state which is if you if you weren't going to import a game what sort of state would the world be in so i i guess you could consider that canon but canon is such a such a loaded term when you're when you're talking about fans. They 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 like to think that if, if canon exists, that therefore any choices they made that weren't canon suddenly uh, aren't as valid as the other ones, and that's something we'd like to avoid. Mm-hmm. Something that interested me, a uh, small interaction here, was through the games, we know that there's a previous association between Isabella and Zevran. But mm-hmm. in the comic, it seems to hint that there's something deeper and quite possibly hostile given oh, Isabella's sorry. opinions between the two. Yeah, because I asked uh, her opinion of Zevran? Yeah, how he says, you know, he's definitely not to be trusted. You know, he's a snake. Whereas previously, they seemed at least on the surface to be in slightly friendlier terms than that. Oh, no, no, no. She was talking about Claudio. Oh, okay. I must have misread that. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. It was right after. I think they may have referred to Zevran because Zevran's the one who put Alistair in contact with Alistair. So I guess that might be easy to uh, misunderstand. But yeah, she was talking about uh, uh, Claudio because she has a, a past association with him. Okay. What I was curious about was why you decided to go with Ivana versus Morgan. Uh, I didn't know if you were trying to just, again, introduce new characters or new cast members, or if you were afraid that Morgan's story, in terms of explaining her, like her departure from the cast, would just take too long. Oh, no, no. That was on, that was on purpose. I mean, uh, I, I, that was, in fact, uh, one of my comic, comic pitches was to, to follow Morgan specifically, but... Um, we always knew that there were there was more witches of the, of the wilds out there. As a matter of fact, this one in particular was uh, mentioned in Origins. It's, it's it's kind of an obscure location to find. Was she really? Codexes. Yeah, uh, not by name, but it talks about uh, a witch of the wilds in the in the Talari slums. And uh, uh, I remember when we mentioned that uh, we had a discussion in the, in the writers' pen over what was sort of going on there, and it was a little vague at the time, but. Uh, so I was like, well, we know that these people are out there, and Morgan has mentioned her, her other sisters, um, or at least she wasn't sure they existed. I don't think she ever met them personally, but she knows of their existence. Um, so the idea was, well, I wanted to to go into that and say, okay, well, let's let's uh, let's meet one of them and let's find out a little bit more about. Um, uh, the, the sort of the backstory behind Flemeth. 
and uh, potentially shed some light on her motivations. Well, they definitely shed some light on their backsides. I'll say that much. <laughs> apparently, I'll say, apparently, comic book artists think that witches of the wild should be pretty assy. That's that's yeah. <laughs> well, you know, looking at what Morgan was wearing in, in Dragon Age Origins, she yes. showed a lot of side boobs. So uh, apparently, they're they're not big on the whole well, clothes. Is optional. Yeah. 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 Now, one of the things that I did notice, and it is my one um, critique uh, of this this piece, is that I thought that Ivana died way too easily. And I don't know if it was in terms of the story, if it was arrogance on her part, or but you would think, again, that when, when Alistair is drawing his sword, she should react. I mean, she demonstrated earlier on just how easily she could take him out when she rooted him, and yet she gets gutted in one panel. And yeah. I kind of had a little bit of a problem with that. Really? Okay. I, well, I, I just thought it was she, too easy. Television is is is, is uh, what I think of when I when I when I'm when I'm looking over what she's doing there is that she was very focused and maybe a little confident in in her uh, in her persuasive slash seductive abilities, right? So this wasn't really a pacing issue that you just had to get it done quickly. It was that was yeah, just the choice. Right, pacing and pacing as well. I think right. to an extent. Okay. I mean that that end. Uh, it, I think probably it, it ended a little abruptly, primarily because yes, we did run out of run out of space. So it was taking the the taking what was going on and condensing it uh, a little bit more. I mean, I think I would have liked to have uh, spread it over over an additional couple of pages. Yeah, because I, I I feel that had it been just even just a little bit more to show some form of battle, so that it it was it was won that he deserved that. To, to to kill her kind of thing because you can appreciate everything that had happened up until then and that this was very difficult for him and this was a victory of sorts and but it was such a, an easy victory at that point yeah. that I, I think the, the original outline uh, for the, the the conversation between Alistair and Yavanna was a little bit longer than that and had to be condensed right but I think it was a little bit more she, she talked a little bit more about what she meant um, in terms of the um, the, the time of dragons and and, uh, and uh, her sort of working up to the point of, of her her convincing Alistair there was a little more to it but then again that that uh, that may not have worked as well because in terms of pacing for the story that that would have been a lot of talk 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 right so I'm not sure that 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 uh, necessarily would have worked as well but I, I did I did feel like yeah it got, it got to condense a little bit for a franchise called Dragon Age, thus far we've only really seen a small handful of actual dragons, as Alistair even comments. Not that many real dragons in the world. So was one of your goals here to sort of explain why and maybe serve as a way of introducing some more of them back into the environment? Well, like sort of explaining, starting, at least starting to explain uh, why dragons are important to the world. Uh, in terms of, uh, like, bringing more dragons in. Well, no, I, I always want, I don't want dragons to be commonplace. I, I'd hate to start uh, reverse engineering dragons into the setting just to justify the name of the game. That, that'd be a little weird. Um, but they, when a dragon is involved, I'd like it to be a special thing. I'd like them to be, you know, the, the, the most potent enemies you can face. The, the, and here we're sort of showing a little bit that there's, there's more to them than just being flying lizards, right? I don't think I'd ever want to go down the D&D route of them being, you know, uh, talking uh, 
magic using who knows what. D and D sort of goes all over the place on that. But but uh, uh, in terms, I'd like them to be more than just uh, flying opponents. All right, I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah, like to like to touch on them and sort of explain why it's special and why you know if we're going to call the game Dragon Age, there there must be some something to them, right? More than them just being a sort of a, a staple of fantasy. Yeah, really looking forward to what more you can do there. And speaking of looking ahead, uh, later this year we have a, another comic miniseries coming out from Dark Horse called Those Who Speak. It's the follow-up to Silent Grove. Yes. And what can we expect to see there? I'm assuming you can't give us too many spoilers, of course. Uh, probably not too many spoilers. Uh, it continues the adventure of the three characters. Uh, from, the, from the end of the, the first series, you know that they, they have a name. Uh, Titus, and that's going to lead them to the Tevinter Imperium. So we get to take a look at, uh, at the, uh, the Imperium itself. And um, that gets them also involved in the Kunari. Uh, we get a fi finally get a look at uh, some more of uh, the Kunari society, uh, Kunari architecture, uh, how they, it's a Kunari culture. I think that they're, they're, they're Get a much closer look at uh, at uh, uh, what's going on in uh, Parvalin. Um, those who speak actually refers to uh, the the Tamasrans are uh, a priesthood within the Canary culture, and the the word Tamasra actually means those who speak. So that, that's what that title refers to. Actually, that sounds fairly interesting. Yeah, are you <laughs> talking with uh, with uh, Dark Horse about any other series after that one as well? Yes. <laughs> King of the short answers. That's what you are. <laughs> um, ideally, the, the, the this this um, the, the the Alistair Isabella Varric adventure was supposed to be uh, a three star a three story arc. So yes, the, 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 there probably would be uh, one at least at least one more series to follow that. But I mean, nothing's nothing's ever guaranteed. We've seen such wonderful things series with uh, with Mass Effect, where mm -hmm. they've put out multiple um, miniseries about that, and and I know that I, I, we've talked about them on the show. We've absolutely loved uh, them. So it would be interesting to see more from the again the Dragon Age IP, and not just this trio, but other stories as well, because there's such a wealth of history there that you could really have a blast with. Yeah, there there's a, a bunch of stories that you know. Either we, we, we've taken a certain route on the game that we can't go and, you know, like we've, we've never gone to the Tevinter Imperium. Gosh, wouldn't it be nice to just hop over there and uh, take a look at what, what's going on? Because our artists have this wealth of, of concept art that they've done for these places, which, and, you know, uh, we have, have yet to get a chance to actually show it. So here we can actually do it in a way that doesn't require us to make a full game. Right <laughs> that, you know, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of things we can pick up. And I mean, uh, uh, all that's important for me is that as I do these series, each one is self-contained enough that it, you know, if we didn't get to do more, um, I wouldn't feel like like players were left left completely players readers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people read comics don't they? Um, that they would they wouldn't be left completely out because it's not guaranteed. It, a lot of it will all depend on on uh, how well the series does. Little, I'm told that they're. they're pretty happy with how it's been received so far both uh, in terms of the fans are, are happy about it which you know is not always the case sometimes fans will be like oh that's terrible I hate that and I'm not going to support it and uh, it's been selling good so um, selling well pardon me 
Well, I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, so uh, everybody, everybody involved is pretty happy with it. So I'd like to keep working on it. Uh, the thing, I, thing I like, uh, uh, the novels are are such a huge haul for me uh, uh, to to do in in addition to my work here at the, the studio. So getting the chance to uh, work on something like it's not that comics are easy, but it's a it's a short term. You know, it's a long haul. It's a short haul. It's a, it's a lot of work in a, in a sort of a short burst. And then I'm, and I'm sort of good, and I'm after I do that initial uh, uh, work on the outline, getting all that put together. Then it's just a matter of keeping in touch with with Alex and, and uh, looking at the, all, you know, as they as they come back with the colors and the pencils and everything that I can I can offer feedback and stuff. But it doesn't it doesn't require you know six months of, of uh, you know running home after work so that I can, I can work all evening on, on the, the novel. That that's uh, it's a little much. Yep. Well, as you can tell, we greatly enjoyed the series. So for any of our listeners who would like to actually read it, uh, it, you're not going to find it in your comic shop. (laughs) It is a digital exclusive comic uh, found through the Dark Horse website. They also have iOS, Android apps, uh, six issues available for a very digital friendly price of 99 cents. I definitely got my six bucks worth out of it. So I would recommend any of our listeners go check it out. It is coming out in July in, in hardcover format, though. In, so it will, it will actually be in comic, in comic stores. Is it so, July or okay. August? I th- on Amazon, they were saying August. Oh. So, you know, I don't know. July, I think the, the next series starts in August, but maybe okay. I'm mixed up on that. Okay. Uh, Either way, I, the, the trade will be fantastic, yes. Yeah. So, yes, uh, I, I've seen that the, 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 they did the cover and the, I've seen all the... the, the uh, the artwork that they did for the, the collected trade paperback, so um, not trade paperback, the, the hardcover format for me, get mixed up. That's, that's what happens when you work at so many different formats, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right. So quickly moving into uh, what we've been reading this week, I had a couple that I wanted to touch on. And that uh, first one I have is Fantastic Four 605.1. And forgetting completely about how awful this is as the whole point one concept. It was actually a really fun issue uh, detailing one of the alternate universe reads we saw earlier in the storyline. And I, I thought it was just really interesting uh, showing how a character that still very much Reed Richards can be so different to uh, become essentially a villain. And I really wish we could see more of that uh, in some other Fantastic Four stories, because I'd like to see a whole series based on alternate reads. That was a really fun read. Bad pun. Bad pun is bad. <laughs> totally <laughs> unintentional. <laughs> and then just one other one to touch on briefly was Epic Kill. Uh, first issue came out from Image several weeks ago, and apparently it's been doing quite well. It has a second printing coming out this week, and I've been hearing a lot of people talking about it. So I checked it out, and it was awful. Oh. <laughs> I mean, money there. just cliches and tired stories. You name it, it's in here. Um it, it, I on one hand I kind of get it because the entire concept is that it's you know pure action the story doesn't matter that much. That said, if you're going to do a comic that's nothing but pure action, learn how bullets work. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Roger, do you have anything for us? I well speaking of bad, I decided to go and read and get caught up on the Avengers versus X Men. <laughs> wow, that is some 
terrible crap that's going on there. Worse. It actually got worse than the starting. I, I honestly couldn't believe And it's just like, for a while we were talking about, like, again, Cyclops is doing all this crap, and it's like, this is so out of character. Well, it continues to be out of character, but now everybody's out of character. Freaking Captain America slugging Wolverine for no reason. We're not even talking about this crap. Whap! Sucker punches him, and it's, it's just one after another. And then when you read the actual, the, the versus one, oh, dear Lord. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Capcom versus Marvel game. Except that was good. It, it's just these, like, <laughs> so-and-so versus so-and-so, and it just was absolute stupidity. I'm uh, I'm not completely caught up because I haven't read every single one of the, the tie-ins, but I'm, I'm so not enjoying this at all. It's just utter stupidity. Aren't all tie-ins like that, though? No! Oh, no! I mean, I, you can I, get I remember, some... I remember reading the first Crisis on Infinity Earths, and, and uh, that was such an odd... Was, I think it might have been one of the big, the big original sort of uh, world-ending, let's get everybody in the title sort of things, and I, I thought that was, that was awesome, and everyone I read after that point just seemed to sort of be, be constructed just like, okay, let's... let's Think of some reason to get everybody uh, in the same comic and, and turn another one out. I don't know. Yeah, but we've seen some where the tie-ins are better than the actual series. Really? Um, not not a ton, Flash but there points. are some. The Flashpoint ones were, oh yeah. my god. And then Daredevil's last year was the tie-ins with Iron Fist um, were really good. So oh. there there are some. The possibility is there. but And you were saying, actually, Vince, the, the tie-ins that you've been reading for this are better than the actual series. Oh, man. New Avengers is doing this awesome Iron Fist story going back like hundreds of years to one of the Iron Fists is actually a host for the Phoenix. Really cool stuff that they're doing there. So I'm looking forward to that because the actual story is crap on a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got, Rush? That's that. I, I would say that's good enough. <laughs> and David, you said you're not really reading anything these days? Uh, I just I, For comics, I tend to, these days, just pick up the, the collected paperback, trade paperbacks. So I think the last one I, 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 I caught up on was The Walking Dead. I, I picked up the last three in a row, the, uh, the, the collected editions of them. So got caught up on that. I think, I think it's still awesome. And I, and I, I, I get to, to say that I was, I was uh, reading and collecting The Walking Dead before the TV series came out. So I can be a, I can be a comic <laughs> Well, uh, we'll see if you continue thinking it's so great. But let's yeah, not really. get into that right now. <laughs> All right, so for this week's new releases from Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man 686, continuing the fantastic ends of the Earth, Astonishing X-Men number 50, and we have discovered why they're spending so much time on the drama with North Star, because it's been heavily publicized. This is the issue where North Star proposes to Kyle. So that's a thing. I'm not going to get into that. Captain America number 12, Fantastic Four number 606, Hulk number 52, Journey into Mystery number 638, continuing the crossover with uh, New Mutants, Secret Avengers number 27, Ultimate X-Men number 12, and some really nice collected editions this week. We have the hardcover edition for Uncanny X-Force Otherworld. Uh, like I said, that story I wasn't too into, but it had some fantastic character moments, as well as the paperback version of Oh, this is a mouthful. Uncanny X-Force Volume 3, The Dark Angel Saga, Book 1. <laughs> wow. Great comics, though. Read that. And finally, we also have the hardcover edition for the Circle of Four storyline from Venom, which we also really liked. 
Nothing. I was yeah, going to okay. say, you know what? I, <laughs> I'm i really disappointed that this is the story art that they decided to go with for the 50th of Astonishing for a series that started off so great. Now it's turning into a soap opera. That's kind of disappointing. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody's really reading it anyway, so do what you want. <laughs> All right. For DC, I have a rather disappointing week, and I only care about half of them that I'm actually going to talk about. We have Flash number nine and the new 52 premiere of Batman Incorporated with their new issue number one. Mm. Uh, and rounding out the list from Boom Studios, we have the final issue of Irredeemable with number 37. I love that series. Uh, from IDW, we have the new ongoing for Godzilla. Uh, I haven't read too many of the miniseries leading up to this, but I've seen the artwork, and it's freaking phenomenal. Uh, Transformers More Than Me CI number five, also from IDW. And a great week <laughs> from Image because it's a chew week, issue 26. And also have Profit number 25, and I hate to say it, Youngblood number 71, which is yet another Rob Liefeld comic nobody wants to read anymore, being republished. So if you really like bad comics from the 90s, there you go. Dude, that chew number 26 when I sent you the preview. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Can't wait to read that. So that's going to wrap us up here. Thank you so much for joining us, David. It was a pleasure to get to talk to you again. Oh, thanks for having me. And for anybody who would like to listen to our previous interview with David, specifically focused on games, you can find that at ForTheLore.com. I believe is issue one or issue. Episode. Geez. Episode 114. Correct, Roger? Yeah, 114, 115. One of those. So somewhere in the hundreds. <laughs> it's, it's the one that labeled Asphos. Asphos is with David Gator. How can you miss that? <laughs> so, as always, you can find us here at comicbookinformer.com, on Twitter at CBinformer, and always email us, Roger or Vince, at comicbookinformer.com, and we will see everybody next week. Once again, thanks for doing this. No, no worries. Although, I mean, let's be honest, all you got last time was praise. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's not the biggest hardship. Little of that is good for the ego. Yeah. <laughs> all I get is harassment from these nuts. <laughs>